When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. And anything goes. Motto of the show, let your Greek flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chain. Here is your host, Kathy. Hey, welcome to the Strictly Anonymous podcast with Kathy. If you haven't followed the Strictly Anonymous podcast on Instagram or Twitter, follow me at Strict. Anonymous. That's at Strict Anonymous on Instagram or Twitter. If you want to be on the show, I'm always looking for people to call in, especially women, couples, people with fetishes. I don't know. It's, if you want to come on the show, it's called Strictly Anonymous because everybody rena- remains anonymous on my show. I change everybody's voices. I change everybody's names. You could email me from a phony email. You could call me from an anonymous number. I don't care who the fuck you really are. I just want to hear your real true story. So if you have a true story that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous, you could be on the show. Go to strictlyanonymouspodcast.com and click on be on the show or send me an email strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Just give me a little bit of information about what you want to talk about. If you just have a naughty confession that you want to leave on my naughty confession line, I changed the voices there as well. You could do that. The number is 347-420-3579, 347-420-3579. Those episodes, I mean those episodes, those small confessions are aired on my Patreon. I also on my Patreon have anonymous pics of mostly all of my guests, as well as access to a Discord channel where people now are like posting more erotic stuff, the X-rated stuff. I don't take part in that, but that's available through my Patreon if you want to join patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast the link is in the description now listen today is a fetish friday episode we are talking about findom i've been excited or i've been looking actually i was excited to have uh when i got this guy's email bash because i have been waiting and wanting to have this uh fetish on my show because it's it's out there and it's a big thing it's called findom and it's financial domination and it's fascinating to me and i wanted to know all the details about it i've never had somebody on really just talking about it uh so when he did email me bash and said he was really into it i was excited to have him on and he wasn't always into it it was interesting because this was a guy who was into bdsm and he had some kinks and some fetishes it all started with a little bit of foot worship for him but he was into a lot of other kind of humiliation things he actually rejected findom 
at first. And he explains that whole journey, how and why he rejected it at first, uh, and then how and why he changed his mind on it and then became really into it. Uh, you know, of course, I asked specifics like how much you pay, what do you give, and all that kind of stuff. But he really uh, talks about his journey, like where he found his girls that were into Findom. Uh, Twitter is a big place, then camming and uh, he grew up in a, a country where things were not really uh, out in the open, so he couldn't do much when he was younger. And he talks about the stuff that he did when he was younger and lived in his country. There were some pro-doms that were included then, as well as a friend that he could always go to and uh, that hooked him up and gave him his humiliation fandom uh, experiences. But then he moved to Europe and he was able to explore more. He got into FetLife and he went to munches and he went to parties and he met people. And then he, you know, started to really get into Findom and have relationships with people. He ends on a story where he had like three pro-doms, not pro-doms, three girls all, uh, uh, humiliating him. And at one time he talks about, you know, the specifics of that. But he just gets into the details about how it works, where he found the girls, how much he pays, what goes down, why he has control over this fetish and why that's important. Because, listen, you know, if you're into uh, a Findom, it could ruin you if you don't have uh, control over it. And a lot of times a fetish is very powerful. So <laughs> he happens to have control over it. He also happens to be a very good speaker on the topic. So I just had to like sit there and let him do his thing. And he just talked and explained it all. His story is super fascinating. You learn all about Findom and everything that's included, as well as other kinks. I mean, he talks about trampling. Okay, he's very into trampling. I'm like, what the fuck is that? He explains it. Uh, so anyway, I'm just going to be a right back on with Bash. This is the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Hi, Bash. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. How are you today? I'm all right. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for writing in because you want to talk about something that I've been dying to have on my show. I have talked a teeny bit about FinDom here and there. And FinDom is like financial domination. I mean, you do a lot of other things and we're going to talk about all that too. But a big part of what you have done and been into is FinDom. And for people that don't know what that is, why don't you explain? Because it is something that I've heard from other people on private calls that I've had with them. And it's like so fascinating to me. It's basically, I'm just going to explain it. It's basically like you become <laughs> like, like turned on by giving a women or maybe, I mean, it could be a guy, somebody else, like all your money. Right. I mean, is that the best way to explain it? I mean, roughly speaking, I would, uh, all the money I would have reservations on that, but yeah, let's go ahead and unpack it a bit. Yeah, so basically it's just another form of a BDSM relationship, a submissive and a dom relationship, whereby the core of the dynamic is managed by the fact that the submissive is giving up uh, a portion of his finances uh, for the dominant. And so... In this sense, you know, the words and the definitions could be, or the terminologies used could be alluding to something different. In this sense, 
of course it can take into an extreme whereby it's completely controlled it's, it is dominated entirely by the dom and the relationship though i would say this represents a very tiny bit of the population in this and more or less it is dominating a certain amount of money that the submissive is willing to use in, in this dynamic Right. So now, when did you realize that you were into that part of it, that part of BDSM? Because I've heard, I never really heard that it was connected to BDSM, but it makes sense. Yeah. So, well, so everyone has this different story, right? And yeah. we can also. I want your story. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll certainly speak at length at that. So how mine started and how it could be different than other elements of Findom is that Findom alone can be a, a fetish or a kink in itself. So, so it would be turned on by the fact that they're sending their money and they're giving up their money without other overlapping kinks and fetishes attached to it. So that would be it, you know? Yeah. But... Uh, there are nuances of that, of course, whereby it includes other fetishes such as humiliation or a typical dom-sub relationship. So my story is that actually on the get-go, on the onset, I refused it. I hated it so much. I had rejected it. I didn't want to take part of it. And part of me was really kind of enraged or a bit angry at the fact that if someone is submissive, I felt like Findom is abusing this kind of sexual orientation or preference for the pleasure, for it's being abused basically by attaching some financial reward or incentive in order to experience your submission, which is it sounds unfair because in most cases you haven't chosen this, but it has chosen you in a sense. Your fetishes and your likes are, of course, constructed socially, uh, but it's very difficult to say, oh, now I'm, I will stop enjoying uh, humiliation or being submissive just because there is a financial attachment to it. So I was a avid rejection of this fact, saying, no, I would never do that. I would never pay money or spend my money to experience being a submissive. Right. And so, and even I went on writing about it in whatever, you know, anonymous blogs or websites existed back then. I think the most recent one, and I say recent, seven years ago, was on FetLife, where I had this long post of how I viewed Findom as an abusive, inherently abusive fetish or kink. But then... I think this was due to the fact that I was only learning about it through perhaps what I was reading, what I was researching, and pornography, which is not ideal to make a judgment of, of course. So what happened is I, where I come from originally, it's a slightly conservative country, right? And and so I noticed or I started to embrace the idea that I'm submissive. And I had those 
typical, so to speak, kinks and fetishes from foot worship to humiliation, verbal humiliation, trampling, and these kind of things. But given the setting of where I was born and raised, this was, I wasn't out open about it, and there was not much avenues to explore. Uh-huh. So what I ended up doing is speaking, I had perhaps the first experience was with a friend of mine, a female friend of mine, and one time I did confess to her kind of this side of me. And she was willing to try it. So there at this point, there was no freedom, right? So we just it was the first time I experienced foot worship, humiliation, being the submissive. In a, what in kind some, of humiliation some, stuff were you into? It was verbal mostly. Verbal, right? so uh-huh. being, yeah, yeah. So being called all various names and stuff. And so that was pretty nice and pretty perfect. And of course, being scarce for what it is in my hometown, uh, I clinged a bit too much on it because that was the only source to, to experience this, right? So, and that, Certainly didn't bode well with her at all uh, <laughs> right, yeah. after a period of time, yeah. and understandably so. So then desperation called, and I, I really needed to experience this again. It gave me such a euphoria. I really enjoyed it, and I want more of it. And I have to say that along the line with this, the, the issue is I never struggled socially in terms of speaking out, making friends, or even you know, asking girls out, that was always okay with me. That was always, it's not always not challenging, but I wouldn't say I had more difficulties in doing so. I could really get girlfriends and I was dating a lot and everything, but the social setting of my hometown is very conservative on that end. And I wasn't always comfortable in speaking out as that I am a guy who doesn't want to perform the traditional masculine kind of expectations that they have. Yeah. So out of this desperation we had, so I was like, okay, that's it. So I'll have to go for a prodom and have a session. And this is how I would experience it again. And then, of course, this is versus money, right? It's against money. You just don't get the session without paying for it. Yeah. So, yeah. So I had to do it, and I didn't feel I didn't feel great. I was a bit annoyed about it, uh, but I went and I did it. And of course, maybe I mean on your show this has been discussed before, but after it finished, and of course there is some gratification. I'm not some <laughs> entire gratification that comes out of that session. There is this, uh, the post, what it's called, referred to as the post-gratification clarity, right? Uh-huh. Whereby you go like, oh, what the fuck did I do, right? Yeah. Sorry, if, I'm using, if I'm using the wrong word. And so that made it a bit, feel a bit worse. It's like, okay, not only did I, you know, it, it only lasted an hour. I relatively paid what I would spend a week. <laughs> And and that's it. And then the, okay, it was nice, but that's it. That is not. It's not a lifestyle kind of thing. It's a one-time, one-hour thing that I can only do one month. So is that what I want? Is that how I want to live this desire of a one-month, one-time session? 
uh, because certainly I could not afford going more. It's, it's, uh, it's, not, uh, it's not that cheap. And so there was one uh, foreign dom visiting my hometown. And I reached out to her and I told her, okay, listen, I've read and I've watched in, in, in porn this Findom thing. And this happens not to be any on the pornography side. It doesn't happen, of course, like reality surprise, but it does happen in a way that so the dominant is kind of seducing her submissive into signing off his assets and whatnot. So I asked her, like, okay, so how about, because I'm not very comfortable with this, how about the hourly tribute? Can it also come into play? Can it also be part of this? Can it be part of financial domination? And then instead of you know walking in, uh, paying the money up front, and then resuming whatever the session is going to be, can we integrate it? Good news. Strictly Anonymous podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com. Dot com and click on be on the show. If you have a short confession that you want to get off your back, call my confessions hotline 347-420-3579. That's 347-420-3579. You could call that number 24-7. I change all the voices on the confessions too. So you remain anonymous. The number, the website, and the email address will all be in the description. Hey guys, do you hate going to the doctor's office as much as I do? (laughs) It takes up like half the day and there's just like certain things you just don't want to discuss with your doctor. But here's the thing. Most men's health issues have really simple solutions and RexMD is all about simple solutions. RexMD makes getting generic and branded Viagra or Cialis easy. Everything's online, even the prescription and they deliver it right to your door. No office visits, no talking to a receptionist. It's super simple and it's fast and cheap. Did you know that Viagra can cost $90 a pill? RexMD has generic Viagra that's just as effective for as low as $2 a pill. RexMD has already helped over 300,000 guys gain confidence quickly and conveniently and now they're here to help you. Act now to take advantage of my deal by heading to rexmd.com slash strictly. My exclusive deal will save up to 90% off where you'll pay as low as $2 per dose on generic Viagra instead of $90 plus on Viagra. Starter packs of generic Viagra or Cialis are now available for my listeners to get started. That's rexmd.com slash strictly for up to 90% off plus a free gift. Your partner will thank you. That's rexmd.com slash strictly go there now or just go to the description and click on the link for up to 90 percent off and luckily i asked the right person in a sense that she was very experienced in that and she said absolutely and this is the turning point this is this was the experience where how she did it how she went about it 
made entire difference. And what uh, what she did is mm, did not make it about the money. She made it about the submission, the dynamic, and she used the money as part of the play. So we technically not. I didn't pay to play. I played with money, technically. So she would. She she texted me before the session, and she requested that I send a photo of the of the stashed cash. How much was it? For this if I remember correctly, it was around three hundred to three hundred fifty. Okay. Dollars. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, so she asked for the photo and of course this followed up with statements like, that's very good that you've prepared my money that I own, blah, blah, blah. So she already put it in the game. She already asked for it to be that I, it's not that I am paying for a session, but what I am doing is I am having to sacrifice this money for having the pleasure of submitting to her. Yeah. And that kicked differently. That had an entire different sensation to me than what I thought it plays out to be. So uh, so I think this was a major turning point. I enjoyed it a lot. And even after it was done, this post-clarity, post-clarification clarity that we called didn't exist in that time it was like okay no like this was all part of the play i didn't just pay to get this i used money as a toy within this play right see the difference it's interesting that you didn't get that was the difference before you know that you had to actually experience it like i would think that's the way it's always set up you know that they would use it as a part. It's not transactional sex. It's not like if you go to an escort and you pay them, you know, it's pay for play. It's not like that. I would assume it's like this, but it's interesting that looking out for you, you never realized that it would be this way. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, though, not this, there is a good, I would say it's a minority, but there's a good chunk where it is transactional. And that transactional aspect is what turns them on. Oh, right. It, yeah. Because I could see how that could yeah, be very humiliating. Like someone could have that as their kink, right? Like that humiliating precisely. aspect of like you just have to fucking pay or you're not getting anything kind of thing. But this is a little bit more nuanced. It's kind of still the same thing if you really think about it, but it's more nuanced and there's more like role playing going on. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So then I started to embrace it. I was like, okay, now I see how it can be. A turn on. It can feed. Yeah. And how it can feed into my likes without, uh, without rejecting that entirely. But then of course, so part of me was like, okay, but then of course, if I go to Rodoms, that will always be the case because anyway, they're doing it for money. Right. Yeah. So there's, there's, me being me is just that doesn't doesn't add too much to the sacrifice. It doesn't add too much to the humiliation because anyway, this is what they this is what they want to do. This is their job, and that's perfect. But I then thought, actually, if someone is not a pro dom, this is exactly when it becomes extremely or a bit more humiliating. Not to say the word extremely. That would be an overstatement. So then. 
so that that period, I remember the initial friend who I first experienced this with. We just like, okay, I clinged too much. We ended things again on a good term. We had very good communication since we were dating anyway. So it was like, okay, I'm, I'm being too clingy. We'll stop that. And then I went, I reached out to her again and I said, listen, I think I grew up a bit on this and I had several other experiences. So if you want to experience it again, I would not be as clingy as I was because now it's I know my outlets for it. So so she was a bit hesitant at first, but of course her hesitation was basically based on how this experience could go like again. And so we kept speaking, thinking of whether this could be viable option. So I was like, okay, how about since I I have this. Uh, foot fetish and foot worship king, I offered that I pay for her pedicure. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, listen, why don't we do that? Why don't you, if you feel hesitant, if you feel like what's in it is not entirely satisfactory, why don't we do that? Why don't I offer to do this? And then this way we can play afterwards. And so, suddenly, this uh, reluctance and hesitation to do to play again disappeared, and it's just <laughs> like, oh, okay, that makes <laughs> let's do that. And of course, I maybe now I label it a bit uh, harshly. She's she's a very nice girl, but uh, I mean that that was certainly an extra incentive that she went for. And that was, again, a great experience. You know, I've known her, I've played with her, I know her type and what she does and what she likes and what she doesn't like. She knows what I like, what I don't like. And and then I did tell her about this whole Findom thing. And I told her, you know, this I didn't offer it as a, as something to, to entice you, only I really offered it because it does turn me on this way. I do feel like this could be something... I have to pay or I have to contribute to at least because this gives you this pampering, this uh, you get yourself, you know, you take care of yourself for being you as a dominant. And uh, and she liked that. We continued doing that for a while. And it was, it was not much more than, you know, a few dinners here and there integrated within the play or a few spas and pedicures and manicures here and there so it wasn't something more than that so yeah but that was all back when i was in my hometown right but then i eventually left because i knew this is not where i wanted to live this is not where i wanted to be so i did eventually get out and uh, i moved to europe and the, the entire scene is different it's more open there's parties Suddenly, FetLife and all other platforms became even more busy, and there's much more access, much more knowledgeable people about this. But of course, this also meant that there's just so much more Findom out there yeah. than I initially thought. Actually, like on Twitter, it's all over. It's a massive amount. And so it became extremely accessible, right? So, of course, as a student who had left his hometown, I was on a pretty, pretty tight budget. So a couple of years went by where that was not even possible unless I want to starve myself. And I'm really happy that I had some control. And I mean, this we can get to after my stories. It's, 
this kink, this fetish is pretty scary if someone obsesses and loses control. It can be home wrecking. Of course. Literally, right? Yeah. So, but somehow I, there was this fear inside of me saying, if you start doing this at this very tight budget, you'll get yourself in so much trouble. So don't. And that that isn't nice. I mean, this strong, of course, right? But money is scarce anyway for everyone. So it wasn't. It was hurtful. I mean, not hurtful. Frustrating because you know you like it. You know you want to do it. But at the same time, you know you can't. And but anyway, it, it had to be stopped because otherwise it would have been problematic. So I managed to to hold it, and then. And then I tried to, and then I looked for some part-time jobs. When I settled in and I had the right to work, actually, because the first two years as a foreigner, I didn't have the right to work. I started to explore a bit of it. And it was mostly, actually, they, I would not call them friends. That would be, it was more of an acquaintance. Or maybe oftentimes they started off as strangers entirely. And I would, if I reflect on it, they would still be strangers because I would have only met them once or twice for the particular purpose of fandom. So it would be either through Twitter or through Fat Life, where this is explicitly what we're doing. I don't know much about them. I don't know a lot about them, but I know that, you know, they're into this and they can give me that experience and then we just go for it. So what it ended up being is what is currently referred to as cash meets. So we would meet for purpose of giving cash, right? And it would, of course, happen in a humiliating way while kneeling or something like that. Mostly in a public place, but kind of discreet public place. And then that's it. And then, yeah, of course, there's exchange of texts or whatnot that are in all essence, sexual, of course. How much money? How, what does the cash mean? This How much were you giving for those meetups? So these were uh, much less. So it varies between 50 to 100. Right. Yeah. It, it all depended. And how much on, sex do you get for 50 or 100? Like full on sex? Is there any sex? Is it just foot worship? I mean, you know, what's going down? Yeah, so actually nothing's going down, right? So it's it is a bit of there could be a bit of foot worship, but again we're in a discreet public place, so oh. not much can go. Oh, go okay. There. So it really so this is just like foreplay for you. I mean, I wonder is that what you, the sub gets out of it? It's the kind of tease and denial because you're not really getting your pleasure, but maybe that's a part of it, right? That's what you would find precisely right exactly that's what i always forget like that's what the person like you wants not to get off right the torture of it all precisely yeah Yeah. it does not and then whatever happens is controlled by that person later or via communication text messages or calls whatever it is yeah but it's it's never physical and of course i'll be very honest this is not my ideal scenario Okay. Uh, Not to get anything out of it. If the entire relationship is based on that, then, of course, after three, four times of just doing this, it would get a bit bit too much for me personally. Uh uh Again, others will have it the other way. Yeah, totally. So... uh, so then I was like, okay, I need to have a more, a better connection with these doms or whoever is 
playing that role of a dominant. So I was like, okay, I got, but again, I'm back. I'm, I moved to Europe, so this was more understood. I could speak about it openly, and I had a, one experience where it was much more than just the Findom kind of thing. We, it was part of it. It started this way, and then it moved on to be a full-on domination and submission uh, kind of relationship and giving that money was not limited to just when we meet um we could meet and not have to play with money most of the cases it did but there was just a normal dominant and submissive relationship with findom included in it and a lot of times it was just you know sending the money via whatever all the platforms that you can instantly send money now so it's just like we didn't have to meet sometimes if she requested something or if she wanted to, she felt like playing with it. And of course, I would say she, but also me, you know, sometimes I would ask, do you have any, you know, expense that you'd like to cover to be covered or something like that? And then without necessarily having to meet, just send that whatever that expense was, whether it was dinner with her friends or drinks or whatever. Uh, and then when we both have time, we would meet and then we could either bring up Findom again or we just play our, uh, do our thing. And, but she would always remind me of that time or that previous experience where I sent. She, she would bring it up. She would say, you know, when you paid for the drinks with my friends, that felt really good and that I felt that you should do that and it is your duty to do that and all that humiliation that comes with it. You also did talk about that you get were into cuckolding. Do you did is this where that started with this person because you had a long term relationship with her? Yeah. So yes, this is it didn't start exactly there, but this is where the liking started. So yeah. So at this wonderful time we got we matched on it. Communication was perfect. She understood me entirely. I understood her, and we were able to integrate that into the play. I got more than just the financial aspect of it and then I wanted more I told her I wanted more and we then thought about okay she was on a she's on a she's bisexual so back then she was absolutely not interested in guys so that's why we didn't really date we just I was just her submissive and then she said okay I want to date this girl who I really like and then this is what this is where it started to become a bit of cuckolding, because she said, "Okay, you know, this I'm really not interested in guys, let alone guys like you who enjoy this and are willing to pay money for it. Uh, I really just uh, enjoy the superior gender of the female." And you know, this dynamic started to be created, whereby I'm kind of cuckolded by her girlfriend. Uh-huh. kind of thing so then like okay this is interesting and even it is even more humiliating and then I was yeah that level of humiliation that I was so desiring and craving was beginning to be met so then of course me being the geek I am I went back <laughs> research what the hell is happening to me and explored all this world of, of cuckolding and so then yes I, this is where it started and so how did that start? I mean, is it her being with women yeah. or her being with men? 
So she she only stayed with this one woman. And again, twenty first century, twenty yeah, twenty first century. Everyone is on the move, right? So I, again, I had to move cities. It was made no sense to to continue this. So in the next city, now I'm a new resident in the new city, but with a much bigger baggage of experience, and I know more what I want and what I'm looking for. So, But of course, there's this period where before you start going to munches and parties right. to get to meet the kinky, so, so that I would just reach out to those financial doms. And there is, a, I mean, initially to speak, you would need to pay a certain amount of a small tribute. And that would usually range between 20 to 30 dollars, pounds, euros, whatever your currency is. And then you get to speak. And then in most cases, they would ask you, okay, so what are your kinks, right? So are you into feet, into humiliation, cuckolding? What is it? So that moving on, they can integrate it within the play. And sometimes the responses, of course, is just, you know, Fintum is my thing, and that's it. That's the only fetish one has. And so there's all sorts of experiences there. There is the very, you know, very new college girls who are doing it to help themselves out. I mean, fair enough. There's no judgment there, of course. But, of course, their experience is entirely different. And there is the extremely luxurious financial doms, those that are you're speaking about tributes in the thousands. Yeah, I had a guy that called in on the DL and he told me about his story and he sent me a link to the girl that was taking his cash and he was sending her a lot of cash, okay, like a lot. And she was like, uh, on a scale of one to 10, she was like 100. I mean, she was like, oh my God. And I was like, oh, she got into the right business. (laughs) I mean, she was, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's a large spectrum out there. And of course, couldn't afford these ones. <laughs> no, see, see, even if I could, I think there is a point where I would say, no, this is far too much. You know, that I just keep thinking that what this could be instead used for. So I understand, I understand it as a fetish, and I not only understand it, I've embraced it. I will keep doing it. Right, but uh, you have your I grip think... on it. That, and I think that's good. I think it's really good that you're able to at times when necessary stand outside of yourself and know that this is something that you need to be in control of because it can lead to something bad and that's great for you because other people who don't do that are the ones who wind up in trouble because sometimes a fetish can really control you if you're not aware of the control that it has over you but you are aware of it and I think that is to your benefit for sure. Absolutely, absolutely, and I can't thank I can't thank Twitter enough. <laughs> I hope Elon Musk would not listen to this. I can't thank Twitter enough for getting this experience of understanding my limits. Because if there is at any point a situation where this would be abusive, it would be on Twitter, or for that matter, any other platform that you will never really interact physically with the DOM. Because there, you can see whether. There is a communication, there is interaction, or is it, you know, pay to play or a transaction? Yeah. Or if they're abusing it. So you're saying it's just more the transparency there is helpful. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, There's no way way you would not spot it. If she doesn't tell you at all 
until she wants something and she texts, say, send me $40 now. And then you might do it the first time and you might get a rush from it. And then by the second, third time, you would notice, this, oh, okay, there's absolutely no connection being built there. It's just give her the money. Right, right, right. Uh, and if this is not what you're into, then you would say, okay, you'd, uh, you'd push the brakes. And then other ones that I would say there was plenty of very good experiences as well on Twitter, whereby they are they really engage, they really want to get to know the person, to build that relationship, and the amount of money doesn't matter to them. How do you, you know, find they... those people on Twitter? I mean, are you putting in FinDom? I mean, like, what is the code words on there to find those girls that offer those services in case somebody has found this episode and they're like you and they're into it? Like, how do they find those people? Because I would never even know that exists on Twitter. Yeah. Well, yeah, if they search the hashtag Findom or not without the hashtag, they would find plenty. They sometimes they could find it under Findom with a like Dom, D-O-M-E. Oh, like okay. Dom. Yeah. And they could find it under pay pigs, uh, cash slaves. Pay pigs. Kind of... Right. I remember hearing that yeah. term once. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cash slaves as well. So if they just search them, there would be plenty. Now it's I know just that you, one gets the other. Yeah, I know that you also <laughs> though got into you had somebody uh, that through in the camming world too, correct? Yeah. So I mean, a, a lot, a significant amount of those on Twitter are also on the camming, so right. on the now famous websites without doing any advertisement, and so then you would just move it there uh-huh. oftentimes because. They, they would just, you can see some coming, some videos, some more, you can hear, you can feel the person more, right? Yeah. Even without the actual touching sense, but other senses. And and there, so again, so there, when you do it with coming, it mostly entails the idea that, so for listeners who only, for, for who just um, getting to know this for the first time, this is where the idea of draining comes. And so I'll tell you what that means. It's basically draining, it's basically draining the wallet or the bank account. Now this sounds extremely harsh, uh, but it's not draining it entirely to, for it to be zero. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's an agreement whereby, okay, it's like, let's go for the, I don't know, 100, 200, whatever it is that the agreement is, but we do it in increments in the form of a session whereby it's being drained wow. from the top. Yeah. Yeah. So they would start with, let's say, a tenor, and uh, this would just be like the opening, and then she would tease him, deny him, humiliate him, and then he ideally right the sub would want more and then say okay now you give you send another 10 and it keeps going on that until they've reached the amount which was set as the limit so it's the 100 200 500 1000 whatever it is what have you but like you're saying him like for in your experience when you've done this draining the draining the bank account what have you set up as your limit once i had it up to uh 400 400? In one go. Okay. In, in in one go. So, yeah, but again, so then that, uh, it's, uh, yeah, that was my extreme case, I would say, but uh-huh. that was two doms at the same time. Oh, wow. That's not bad to get two yeah. for 400. Right? Yeah, it's not. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a 
I mean, I hate to give that uh, connotation of whether it's a good deal or because <laughs> I'll I mean, make the connotation. You know, when, I'm looking from the outside in. I'm just uh, talking about how like other people who are just like me are like seeing the situation. But I get for you, it's a totally you're living in a very different world where this whole experience, like I said, it's like role playing. You know, it's a, it's you're seeing it in a very different way like I yeah. said because it, it that's the way you have to see it I'm just looking at it you know as the outsider so a lot of people that are listening to this episode are you know there's two people that are going to be listening to this episode people who are into this like you and see it from your side you know and then people who are just curious about it like me and who see it in a different way and uh, you know appreciate my ridiculous questions about like how much and stuff <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah, <laughs> no, it's a very good question. Yeah, but I mean, that is just like, I think for it to be also healthy and understood properly, yeah, the move away from thinking of it as a deal or as, because then it makes it very transactional or consumerist. Of course, yeah, that's the antithesis. And you've been, I mean, you're a very good talker. I'm assuming that's why you wrote a lot of stuff on those blogs and stuff that you said, because you have been <laughs> explaining and painting the picture very well. I just always like to also take it back to you instead of talking so much yeah. big picture to be like, what is your experience? You know, how much have yeah. you done? Because I'm assuming, and let me just ask you this real quick and we'll get back to you just doing your thing and talking. I'm assuming that you're single all this time. You're not doing this behind anyone's back. You still sound young to me. Like you're not in any kind of marriage or anything. This isn't something that you're doing behind anyone's back, right? Yeah, I mean, yes, generally I have not. I had instances where I have, yes, I did. But, I mean, you, you wouldn't, I mean, you're, these weren't serious relationships. So. Right, right, You're just still but, not married or anything like that. Like, you're not in that no, phase no, no. of your life yet, right? So you're just doing this as a single person. This is what you're into and yeah. you're having these experiences. Okay, sorry, go on now. Yeah. You're talking, you were talking about draining the bank account stuff <laughs> and the cam girls. Yeah. Yeah, so that was, so again, you know, again, we go back to my notion of, what is humiliating sometimes at certain point when I've experienced it enough is it becomes doesn't become so it's like okay how about I go for two because it, a dynamic of two doms humiliating you is different than one is yeah. it's get they get more creative because just just two voices two brains two thoughts and there's also the dynamic between them that they can build whereas one on one they can she can just build it with me and she run out of ideas eventually perhaps so I went for two. And I said they were uh, they were not friends as well, right? They were just on. I mean, they call themselves friends, but they've never met the two different places in the world. But they just happened to be on Twitter and those coming websites. So, so this is when I had this four hundred drain, quote unquote, for both of them. So I think that was two hundred each, right? And uh, yeah, this yeah, this is how I think it was around an hour maybe actually over an hour so of course so then there's another terminology there's the fast drain which goes like in two three minutes four minutes five minutes and <laughs> i and the there is the slow drain whereby it's yeah yeah and i think this is what uh, what interested me because what i do is that i don't have it i don't say okay i'm gonna go for some fandom now between eight and nine so we set up an appointment. No, I think the idea of it is that it can creep in to whatever you're doing at any point in your day. And it gives you such a rush and gives you such a, it gives me particularly something to look forward to every hour of the day. And so then, mm -hmm. 
it would be, you know, I'm at work and uh, you send something, you get some whatever uh, it is, uh, mostly, you know, it could be just uh, being a good pay big, pay big response or being given something more humiliating, whatever it is. And then the interaction would stop. And then like in an hour or two, I don't know, she would buy a cup of coffee and then she would send a photo of that coffee and ask me to reimburse it and then I'd send again. And so this would go on, this is just a $5 thing or a $10 thing, right? And it's like as if you invited her for a cup of coffee, as if I invited her for a cup of coffee. And this would go on the entire day. It's not like on a, on, I'm sitting at a particular hour engaging in this. And of course, if it's coming, then of course that has to happen because they also have to be sitting. But <laughs> otherwise, it would be, it and would be across the day. And that would be more of the slow drain, right? Because it's throughout the day when you least expect it or you just don't know when it's coming and it's divvied out slowly as opposed to the fast drain where it happens at one time really quick. 100%. Yeah. And to me, this is what I loved about it. Yeah. Because I don't know during the day when I'm going to experience something that will satisfy me. Although it's not, a, it is a tease and denial. I'm not getting, you know, the the gratification physically. Yeah. yeah. But it is certainly a mental orgasm. I would certainly label it as a mental orgasm. So, yeah, I mean, I, but I stopped doing Twitter I mean, I, I do sometimes, I admit, <laughs> but uh, but not much because now I got more integrated into the city that I live in and I met uh, other uh, kinky people at uh, at munches and, uh, and parties and I came about after I trusted them because, again, this if there is one thing I would tell anyone who's interested in this, make sure you trust the person, yeah. make sure that they are not into this to take your money even if you can afford it it doesn't feel the same so yeah so i spoke about it to to one of the so someone i met in a in a a fandom party that i attended and uh, after we actually met several times it was just only play it was uh, foot worship, humiliation, ball busting, trampling, these kind of things. And then I opened up, I built that trust with her and I opened up and I told her, you know, this is what I like. I, this is my experience in Findom. I want to explore it with you. I think you're a good person to do that with. But I also told her about puck holding. I then also told her about the fact that I did it with two doms at the same time and the fact that makes me a bit of a community kind of submissive, right? It is enough, but it's not always enough to just have one. So it's like, I want to do it with you and I want you to be core, but I also want you to think about times where you would have me used with uh, others. nicely used with others, whether it's a cockholding situation or a different, or, a diff- or, or another dom. And so well, we've arra- we, she, we already did. She arranged a party several months ago with two other friends of hers, but also were in the scene. So I've also met them at parties and munches. They weren't entirely not there. And we had an entire personalized play party where it also involved Findom in it. 
So we had from, you know, the traditional things we do from me serving them, being at their feet, all the foot massages, the foot stools, the foot worship, the humiliation, uh, the trampling, the ball busting, but also all, all along getting um, getting to give them uh, cash physically. But wait, could um, I just paint the picture for this party? Because yeah. like we have like another yeah. 10 minutes and I want to hear the details of this party because it sounds interesting. But like at first I was thinking, oh, it's two other men and she's going to dom you all because it's a cuckolding situation. Or are you saying that this party, the two other people that were there were other women and they were all doms and doming you? Yes. Solo. Oh, yes. okay. Okay. Three women, three yeah. doms, three. I was the only submissive there. Okay. And I was supposed to, you know, do all the things that they kind of request and command. Uh, but also we had agreed that it would also be Findom. Yeah, yeah. And I had this uh, small fanny pack around <laughs> my hips. <laughs> like I'm a cash. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Filled with cash, basically. Yes, exactly. And then they played with it. They made sure that it's not something that I had to kind of put out there before I get anything. It of course, was yeah. as they're seducing me and ha- as they're getting me into the subspace, we were doing it. And the limit was already preset, right? So all was what's in the fanny pack can go because anyway, this is the budget that we've assigned. Right? Yeah. What was it? I, you know, I mean, I like those facts. How much? Yeah. And I like to get those facts too. Okay, um, good. It was 600. Okay, so cool. Again, for each, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, so what and, goes yeah, down and, at that party? Okay. Like there, there's a lot of, you said that there was foot worshiping. You keep saying trampling. Okay. Can you just explain that a little bit? <laughs> Cause you know, we don't, we yeah. probably do a whole episode on trampling and all the stuff that you're into, but could you just explain what that means? Yeah, sure. So, so trampling is when the submissive lays down. Yeah flat on their back and basically you're stepped on by the doms and of course not just stepped on like step on and off it's a longer period of time where they're stepping on your chest your face or other parts if one is willing and it's done also in a dominant and humiliating way whereby you know you're technically a carpet or a doormat for them to feel their power Interesting. Do they have high heels on or barefoot? Both. Both. Ay, ay, ay. I'm, yeah, go on. Yeah, I, I go for both. You go for, I both. Go for both. Let me ask you, because yeah. you seem so thoughtful and you've d- probably done a lot of research into all of this and, you know, you seem very self-aware. I'm wondering if you've ever thought back in your life, like to your childhood or well, like, do you, uh, have you ever made any kind of connections of where you think this part of you comes from? Yeah, of course. I'm actually doing my graduate studies and I'm doing a PhD and I just love to research those stuff. Yeah, I could tell. Entirely. Yeah. Yeah. I can yeah. tell by the way you talk. Uh-huh. So tell <laughs> me, what do you think? What have you come up with? Let's uh, leave our last five I, minutes with your analysis of yourself. Yeah, so no, I would not say anything in my childhood had anything uh-huh. to do with all. In fact, it's the entirely opposite. Uh-huh. I, I grew up in a patriarchal society. You particularly may understand, because I know 
half of your side of origins. Yeah. And <laughs> I come from the same place. Yeah. It's very particular. The women were subjugated to. Whether this could have meant that, oh, I want to see it flipped. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. maybe. I cannot test this hypothesis, right? But to say that I had any particular childhood, relatively to that environment, my core family was open. So I wasn't, you know, subjugated to any form of violence or molestation right. or oppression right. by women or something like that. No kind of and, humiliation or anything like that that you could go back to? No. Right? No, not at all. So I am actually, I, as a scientist, I every time I read this or I hear this, it's like, oh, try tracing back yeah. how submissive men became submissive. I go, there isn't enough evidence to suggest either of these hypotheses. You know, for everyone out there, you want to think about it, you want to put it as a possibility. Fair enough, it could be a possibility, but the evidence does not should suggest that those who had particular childhood experiences turn out to be this or the other. No, and, and I actually, no, but I also, because a, a lot of times when I get people on who are into degra- degradation or humiliation, stuff like that, like people will make comments, especially over on YouTube. I love YouTube as a platform because people do get in conversations about the episodes, but people will come on there and bring up things like, oh, you know, this person must have had a terrible childhood if they're into that. And, you know, I've had a lot of people come on to speak of BDSM in the proper terms to really explain it to people. But I think just people still like listen with blinders on, you know, and they just want to believe like if someone is into pain or whatever, that there's something fucked up about them. But I remember, and I don't remember exactly what it was that I found, but I remember sending an article to someone like, look, this is where it could come from. It's not necessarily some sort of uh, dysfunctional thing that shows up, you know, and it was something that Esther Peril, who's like so brilliant, you know, I'm sure you know of her. She's like that very famous sex therapist. She was talking about where it comes from and the roots of it. And it's, it goes, it's not so much, if it's not from your childhood, it could be from, you know, it's like the caveman times. I forget what it was, the actual analysis of it, but it doesn't always have to be that is the case, you know? So I was hoping you had that answer. So if it wasn't from your childhood, like where does that come from? That interest in pain being pleasurable and humiliation. Yeah, not childhood. I personally, I think it traces back to the mere fact that I just, you know, initially growing up, I watched all these superheroines, you know? Yeah. Like the Xena, the Xenas, Xena, yeah, whatever yeah, Zena, name. Yeah, the warrior uh, the, princess. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, even Mortal Kombat for that matter, you know, there's uh-huh. this fem- strong female figure in Mortal Kombat going around kicking uh, male men's asses. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> maybe that, that while I was, you know, I do think fondly of these moments while I watched them. And I do remember I found it extremely nice. And there was the thing I go to most when I was watching those kind of things and growing up. Uh, but I think this is as much as I can trace it back, to be honest. Other, I had thought about Xena and uh, all these women as potentially, you know, the woman I would like to end up with. Perhaps, yeah, I would. I certainly go for the strong woman. I certainly am attracted to the strong woman. Uh, absolutely not attracted to the non-strong or the non-independent or the ones with 
submissive tendencies, so to speak. Yeah, you should look into Esther Pearl because she has a lot. She writes a lot on BDSM and stuff. And like I said, I always try to explain it to people because they always sort of make those references back. And I think even I, before I did my show, would have always assumed that, oh, there must have been something in your childhood that made you into being humiliated. Maybe you were humiliated at a young age, something like that, you know? And I'm sure that's the case some of the time. But I forget what she said, but the, she does talk a lot about it and explains that dynamic and why people some or some people are wired to be interested in pain and where that sort of concept and uh, role playing comes from, the deeper need for it and the desire for it. And it's super interesting. And uh, I wish I had done research before I got on this call with you so I would have had the answer to it. Maybe I'll do it and then come back on after we hang up and explain it to my listeners because it'll be terrible if I don't. I'm going to do it. That's what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to cut right into this and I'm going to explain to people. So give me two minutes. We're going to say goodbye and then I'm going to explain. But look into what she says about it because I think you'll find answers to, uh, you know, to the to why you're into it since it's not traceable back to anything that happened to you. And what I'm going to do is go back and read the stuff that I've read and give my little synopsis of what she talks about. And she's a smart bitch. I love her. Uh, And I think it is important to explain that aspect of it as well, because so that the people on YouTube are not going after you saying all this kind of stuff, you know, (laughs) Um, yeah. Because people do make you like judgments. What? I'm used to it by now, though, so they can have their, yeah, they yeah, can yeah. Have their time. Yeah, <laughs> but I'll shut it down with my uh, analysis of what I take from what she says and what where she says it comes from, because it's super interesting. I will come back on and talk about it. But listen, what did the fuck did we call you? I forget your your made up name. Oh, Bash. Listen, Bash. Yeah. Thank you so much for calling in and talking all about Findom. I've been dying to have this on as an episode. It will be on a Fetish Friday coming up, either this Friday or two Fridays from now, because I do every other Friday, a uh, Fetish Friday. I might mm-hmm. have to do this uh, pantyhose one for the CEO this Friday. So if not, it'll be the next Friday. But thank you so much for calling in and explaining your whole story. It was super interesting. And you were like so great at telling the story. I didn't really have to talk much. <laughs> so you made my job easy. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. Thanks so much for having me. And I hope it was good for everyone to listen. It was. People will find it fascinating. Like I said, there'll be two people listening. People that like me who are just curious about it. Uh, and you gave really yeah. interesting stats on it for the person that's curious. But also, I think that there'll be a lot of guys that are listening to this because they have this as their king too. And I think you really spoke to those people as well. So it was like a great episode. Thanks so much for calling in. Thanks, Katie. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. So this is what I found about BDSM. It was on Esther Perel's website. It was actually a quote from Dr. Margaret Nichols. She explains this, and this makes sense. So listen, BDSM sexual activities seem unusual to those who do not share BDSM proclivities. However, these sexual activities share much in common with activities like Ironman competitions, a penchant for skydiving, and a love of horror movies. The combination of pleasure with negative sensations is the hallmark of BDSM. It is a source of what is often called a peak experience, which many believe are an essential quest of humans once basic needs have been met. So peak experiences can be experienced as spiritual revelation 
revelatory and healing. So, you know, it's just that these people, if not wired dysfunctionally from something that happened in their past, are wired to be into having this peak kind of experience. No different than the person who wants to jump out of the plane all the time, the person that's into those Iron Man competitions, or someone that loves to be fucking scared, okay? I have a son that has loved that since day one, okay? It's like, you are just wired for that, and that's where this comes from, and I think it is important, and I just wanted to add it in because, I, like I said, I always get comments on people who don't understand the whole BDSM thing and think it's so dark and it has to come from some sort of bad place where it's just could be that somebody is interested and wired to be into that combination of pleasure with a negative sensation and that fucking turns them on. So anyway, I hope that explains a little bit. I'm sure I'll still get comments. I hope you enjoyed my episode (laughs) with Bash. I thought it was super interesting and he was a great guest. Anyway, thanks so much for tuning in. Everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. If you want to follow the show, follow me at Strict Anonymous on Instagram or Twitter. That's at Strict Anonymous. If you are on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. I love YouTube as a platform for my show because people comment there and I try to reply back to every single person who posts a comment. So even if you're not listening on YouTube and you want to talk about the show, go to my YouTube channel, subscribe, like, and share my videos. It's Strictly Anonymous Podcast. If you want to sign up for my Patreon, on my Patreon, you are not only supporting my show, but you will get these episodes early, ad-free, and you get to see anonymous pics of my guests. Most of the girls send in anonymous pics and some of the guys send in anonymous pics. So if you want to see anonymous pics of my guests as well as support my show and get these episodes early and ad-free, sign up for my Patreon, patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. That's patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. The link is also in the description below. Thanks so much for listening. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous.